A number of years ago, we're trying to sermon time here. Suzanne and I um, wanted an armoire. Anybody have an armoire? Anybody know how to spell armoire? It's a French word, I think. It's kind of goofy. And we wanted an armoire for our living room. And we wanted it for a specific reason. We wanted an armoire that you could put your TV inside and then you could close the doors so you couldn't see the TV. Because if it's confession time, here's a confession of mine. It's not Suzanne's problem, but it's mine. If there's a TV there, the rest of the world doesn't exist. Put on a football game, you could blow the house up. I don't know the house blew up. You know what? It's just, it's, I think it's a guy thing. But the TV, and here's the problem. Even if it's there and I sit in the room and you can see it, you have to turn it on. And so it, it's not good. And so we want an armoire. And I see all oh, these ladies rolling their eyes. Um, they understand this. I, we, wanted this th- we wanted the TV to be out of sight and out of mind. Again, it wasn't a big deal for Suzanne, but it was a big deal for me because if it's sitting right there, I tend to want to turn it on. And, and I miss out on, on good things because I'm filling my, my mind with just something that's neutral because we don't watch junk. So just kind of neutral. But instead of going out and buying one, because re- reality is, is back then when we wanted one, we didn't probably have two nickels to rub together. And instead of just going out and buying one, we had shop for them and said, well, we can't just go buy an armoire. I had a, brand, a great brainstorm. I said, I'll build an armoire for our living room. But there was a problem. I knew if I tried to build an armoire for our living room, nail something together, put it in there, it would look like I nailed something together and put it in there. And how many of you know you're... That's not what you want in your living room. It's all right for the workshop, but it's not all right for the living room. But we wanted something that looked nice, something we could put the TV in. It didn't look like a piece of garbage, but the fact is, I maybe had a little woodworking knowledge, and I did. I'd shop class in school, a couple, made some cabinets a little bit, but, but I knew I couldn't build a cabinet good enough to be in the living room and, and be on display. But I had a solution to that problem. I had a friend, I still have a friend, his name is Dan. And Dan built and sold furniture for a living. He was a member of the church that we pastored at the time. And, and so I went to Dan and I basically asked him if he would teach me how to properly build stuff, how he built furniture and, and, and how, he, how he built cabinets. And, and he said, yeah, sure. And so he said, just come to my shop. And we didn't actually build an armoire together, but we, he taught me how to do things in his shop as he built furniture. And so we did that, and he, he taught me stuff. Now, this was when we lived in the UP, and so we didn't just go to the to store and buy lumber. We went to the, to the logger, and we bought white pine logs that big around that had been cut out of the woods. He taught me how to take those white pine logs and take them to a mill, and they rough-sawed these things, and the, big, you know, the, the logs were that big around, so they were pl- slabs like that wide, and like, they cut them like an inch and a half thick, these great big slabs. And we took those and he taught me how to call it stickering them. You stick them, you put pieces of wood between them and you dry them and you let them dry for a certain amount of time. And then we took from there and we, we took them to a place and had them milled down to a little, to a thinner, thinner uh, board. And then he taught me that. I said, well, how good, I got these pretty boards I can use them for building my cabinet. He said, no, you can't. He said, if you use that for a cabinet, it's going to warp because it, it, it's, a, it's just too big. I'm like, but it's pretty. And he goes, well, you can't do it that way. It doesn't work. So he taught me how to take on a table saw and rip these beautiful big planks from the white pine logs into, into strips, different widths. So maybe like three inches to six inches. 
And how to then take and alternate the grains and glue them and how to use a biscuit cutter and put all this stuff together and make them into big slabs, he called them. So it would be a slab that we'd make them about two foot wide and nine foot long. Glue up all these slabs. So needless to say, I have my house, I have all kinds of clamps for, all, you know, for, for gluing all these slabs together. So we'd make these slabs. Then he showed me how to take it to the mill and have it milled down to the right size. And then he, he took from the slabs and he taught me how you, prop, how you can actually cut that slab and make a 90 degree cut on it. That's not so easy. You've got something 2 foot by 9 foot and you've got a little table saw. How do you do it? So he had jigs he built and how you can make a right side, the right perfect cut. He also taught me maybe the most important thing of woodworking, which anybody who knows woodworking, there's a little saying about cutting stuff. Anybody remember what it, know what it is? Measure twice and cut once. That was the rule I learned. Measure twice, cut once. Because you can't recut something if it's too short. And there's no such thing as a board stretcher. I, I needed a board stretcher a few times. And you could have a nine-foot plank and you have to alter your plans or you've got to get another plank. And so, so he taught me how to, you know, measure, to measure twice and cut once. He taught me then how to like, build the frame. He taught me how to make doors. How to make a doors with insets on them and how to properly router all of them and make them look nice. He taught me how to make the trim. He taught me how to figure out the angle for crown molding. Well, you've got to be a rocket scientist for that one, you know. How to figure that out for a crown molding on the top. He taught me how to do all this stuff. Then he taught me, he wasn't done there. We built, I was building a cabinet and taught me, well, you're not done then. The proper way to sand it, you know, that, that how you sand it right, and how you seal the grain with a certain kind of sealer, and then you, and then you, um, you, you finish it with your varnish and your, your stain and your varnish. He taught me how to do all that. And so I took all the information he gave me, and I built an armoire. And it's like about that wide, and it's that high, and it was deep enough to fit our TV set in it, because back then, TVs weren't this thin. They were like that wide. And so, built this great big armoire, and I have to admit, the armoire looks really nice, and it's still in our house today. We still use it. It looks, it looks, it looks pretty nice. Now, here's the point. If I wanted to make another armoire, or if I wanted to make a table... Or I wanted to fix a break, broken cabinet door. I could do all those things today. Because I learned the principles and the techniques of how you do woodwork. I learned how to do it from Dan. And he taught me how to do it. Now when there's an issue or I want to build something else, I can build it. Matter of fact, I built some other tables and stuff. Remember one table I built, Josh and I were wrestling. And uh, we smashed the table to smithereens while we were wrestling. He jumped on me on the bed. I was kicking him up in the air as I was laying on my back. You remember, he broke my ribs recently wrestling. Kicked him up in the air. He flew up in the air. He landed on the nightstand and smashed the legs off it. And I'm like, first thing, don't tell your mother. <laughs> don't tell mom. She's going to notice that there's no table there. But don't tell her how we broke it because she's going to kill me. Because we, in our house is oftentimes like, like a wrestling match. So, so anyways, um, built a bunch of, why? Because Dan taught me how to do the basics of woodworking, so now I can do it on. We basically were living out a principle, an age-old principle that people understand, and they use it with this analogy. They say this, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. That makes sense? It's kind of the same thing. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. Build a cabinet for a man. He's got a cabinet. Teach him how to build a cabinet, and he can build it for the rest of his life. Now, you say, what in the world does this have to do with the Bible? It is a lot. Um, the text that we're going to look at today from the Gospel of Mark deals with grasping principles 
of how we receive spiritual truth. It's not going to give us spiritual truth. It's going to give us principles of how we receive spiritual truth so that we as an individually can receive spiritual truth. And then once we receive spiritual truth, then we can apply it in our own lives. We don't have to run back to somebody else to give us more spiritual truth. And when we have that, those tools to be able to receive spiritual truth, grasp it ourselves, that will lead us individually to greater and deeper relationships with the Lord. Now, I have to say this. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, don't turn off your ears. Because I really believe, whether you're new to the Lord or old to the Lord, God's got something to teach you today on how to grasp most spiritual truth. Because the reality is, God wants to always be showing new stuff to us as we walk with Him. If you're stagnant, you haven't learned anything new for a while, I tell you this, you've got a spiritual problem. You have a spiritual problem if you're staying right there. Because that's not God's plan for anybody's. For anybody's. So the, truth, the text is going to show us these principles so that we can then understand the principles and then apply the principles to our own lives so that we can continue to grow and develop in our spiritual walk with the Lord. You see, I believe something about every one of you in this place today. I really believe this. That you would not be here today if you didn't want a genuine relationship with God. Why else would you come? And I believe that you wouldn't be here today unless you wanted a continually developing and growing relationship with God because there's just too many other things you could choose to do today other than come to church. But you came here today because you want something more. And I want something more for you. So today, I want to show you something that I believe the Lord has very strategically put together um, from His Word to teach us about how to receive spiritual truth in our lives so that you have the principles, you have the techniques to grasp spiritual truth for yourself by the instruction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So let's read our text today. And I want you to, we're going to look at Mark chapter 8. And I want you to remember that the thread that runs through this entire text is how to grasp spiritual truth, how to see it clearly, and to get a hold of it. And I'll tell you up front, we're going to read a really long section of Scripture. And you're going to say, this, does this really have anything... To, is this really tied together as one picture? And I think you're going to see by the end of this that very strategically the Holy Spirit inspired the, uh, Mark to write this in such a way that this entire section really is teaching all about the same thing. And you're going to maybe at first think, well, he just threw some stuff together. But you're going to see it's not just thrown together. It's strategically placed here um, by the Holy Spirit. So Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 1. We're going to read all the way to verse 29. It says, In those days... When there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on their way, and some of them have come a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground, and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and he broke them, and started giving them to his disciples to serve them, and they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish, and after they had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away. 
And immediately he entered the boat, and when the disciples came to the district of Dalmanutha, and the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said, What do you discuss, or why do you discuss the fact that you do not have bread? Do you not yet see and, or understand? Do you, do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? And they said to him, Twelve. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he was saying to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida, and they, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and lying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored, and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Jesus went out, along with his disciples, to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, saying, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And in Matthew's Gospel, it adds this sentence after that statement. After it says, You are the Christ, he adds this statement from Jesus, saying, This was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father who is in heaven. So let's stop right there. Now, right in the center of this whole story, we find Jesus trying to teach a spiritual truth to his disciples. That's what this whole story is about. It centers on verse 15. They're talking about bread. They're doing all this stuff. In verse 15, we find right in the middle of these, almost, almost in the middle of 29 verses, 15 is in the middle, and Jesus is trying to teach a spiritual truth to his disciples. Look at verse 15. He was, he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven, or the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees, and the leaven of Herod. He says, watch out. This is spiritual teaching. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven of Herod. Jesus was trying to teach the twelve that the leaven, or the ideas and the values of the Pharisees and of Herod, could be like leaven 
in a person's life in that once it comes into your heart, into your life, it gets a foothold, it can grow and develop and spread through your entire life like leaven or yeast does in a lump of dough. He says, look out for this. Once this gets a hold of you or gets a foothold in you, it has the possibility of spreading. It's a spiritual truth he's trying to teach them. Nothing to do with bread. He's trying to teach them a spiritual truth. The leaven of the Pharisees says, watch out for it. And we've seen throughout the Gospel of Mark that the leaven of the Pharisees is, is this idea that, that the Pharisees held religious tradition over God's word. And he says, watch out for that. And the leaven of Herod, we've seen throughout the Gospel of Mark, is this idea of secularism or worldliness, that, that some things in the world are more important than the things of God. And he's saying, look out for these things. They're going to get a, they can get a foothold into your life, and they can grow, and they can, they, can, they can get a hold of you and develop. And that these things can, and these things do, cause Christians to stumble, and these things can even cause Christians to turn away from God. So here's Jesus. He's trying to teach them this truth about watching out for this leaven, this influence from, from the things outside of what God would have. But they just didn't get it. He's talking to them. They're his disciples. They love him. They want to follow him. He's trying to teach them spiritual truth, but they just didn't get it. He's talking about spiritual truth, and they respond by talking about bread, literal loaves of bread. You see, they missed the point completely. And Jesus looks at them, and this is basically what he says. He says, really? Do you really not understand what I'm trying to teach you? Look at verses 17 to 21. It's exactly what he says. He said, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? He's talking about leaven. They're thinking about loaves of bread. He's not talking about bread. Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have hardened hearts? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? Do you not yet remember? When I broke five, five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? And they said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And he said to them, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? You see, they missed the opportunity to grasp the truth that Jesus was teaching them. He's trying to teach them a spiritual truth, and they're focused on loaves of bread. And they just don't see what he's talking about. And friend, here's the reality. I think that, that this same thing happens to you and me all the time. That God, by His Spirit, tries to reveal some new or deeper truth to us, and it goes right over our heads. We're saying, but, 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 what about the bread? And he's going, don't you get it? I'm not talking about bread. And he's trying to teach us something, and it goes right over our heads, just like it went over their heads. Well, I've got to tell you something. I don't want that for me. I don't want that to be the reality in my life, and I surely don't want that to be the reality in your life. So I think we can learn about how to receive spiritual truth from this text so we don't miss what God is trying to teach us. And I really see from this three things in this text that we need to get. They're basically three techniques or three tools. Kind of like three different things I learned. Like how to cut the board straight. How to build the planks. The three, three different techniques that you need. Or three different tools that you need for your tool belt. About how you can receive spiritual truth. And I encourage you if you don't practice this. To write these things down. Here's something I know. Pastor Paul calls me every Monday morning. On the phone. He hits my number on the intercom. And he says, Pastor Mark, what's your sermon title 
for the sermon yesterday because he's got to go through it, he's got to edit it, he's got to put it on the podcast. And every, this is what I say to him every Monday morning. This is the honest truth. What did I preach about yesterday? He goes, what? He doesn't ask me. I said, what did I preach about yesterday? And he says, your text was this. I go, oh yeah, 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 okay. Uh, I talked about this. Sometimes I actually grab a notebook. I go, what did I preach about yesterday? If I can't remember what I preached about yesterday, you can't remember what I preached about yesterday tomorrow. I guarantee it. I tell guys when I'm teaching them how to preach, I said, now listen, just remember, no one's going to remember what you said a day later. Because <laughs> they say, well, can I, you, you said this last year at Easter. Can I say that again this year at Easter? I said, I don't remember what I said last Easter. No one else remembers it either. Now, the idea is, this isn't just what the preacher's saying, it's God's word. If you didn't believe it's God's word, you shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't be here. We believe it's God's word, and you need to, to write it down, and you need to take it so that you can say, God, I want this integrated into my heart and my life. And so we're looking at three techniques, three tools, three things that we have to get so that we can, gra- we can gain spiritual truth from God for ourselves. And the first one is this. The first thing is, is that spiritual truth is revealed. Spiritual truth, and you're going to understand what that means in a minute, is revealed. Spiritual truth is not something that we just learn on our own. It is literally God disclosing himself and his ways to you and to me. It's God disclosing himself. It's God revealing himself to you and to me. And understand, he does this so that we can know him more and have a more genuine relationship with him. But it's something that's revealed. Look at verses 27 to 29. Peter's confession of faith. It says, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? He's looking for a spiritual truth. Who do people say that I am? And they told him, saying, John the Baptist... Others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued questioning them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And remember, we read this one more verse that Matthew adds. And he adds, And this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You see, Peter's ability to be able to grasp the truth that Jesus was actually the Christ... He said, who, who am I? Who do you say I am, Peter? Peter had it right. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are, you are God's Son, the one who came, basically. All this is wrapped up in that title of, of the Christ. You're the one who came to deliver people from their sins. That ability to understand that by Peter was only understood because Peter had received a revelation from God about this truth. God had revealed that truth to Peter. See, other people thought, as Peter says here, that Jesus was John the Baptist. Some people thought he was Elijah. Some people thought he was one of the prophets. But they were all wrong. But here's, the, here's something you've got to get today in our incredibly Western, logical, American society. All you, all you men in particular get this point today. They were all wrong, but they were logical. They used, they used their understanding of the Word of God. They used their understanding of what the future, according to God's word, would be. That the prophet would come, he would be be Elijah. They were using their idea of scripture based upon solely logic, and they came up with the wrong answer. And the reason they came up with the wrong answer is they had logic, but they didn't have revelation. 
And friend, we need to understand that God, to take us forward, wants to reveal His truth to us. And we need to understand that the primary way God reveals spiritual truth to us is through His Word. That the Bible is God's revelation to man, but right now some of you are going to turn your brains up and say, I know, I should read my Bible. There's more to it than that. See, as we read God's Word, the Spirit of God takes truth and He unwraps the truth of the Word right before us and He breathes it into our spirit. It's a spiritual occurrence. It's a revelation. It's much more than just an intellectual grasping of facts. That's why as we spend time in God's Word, we need to, as we should be always reading God's Word, as we're doing it, we need to be open to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. We have to say, what do you have to say to me today? Not just what knowledge can I gain today. You see, if you read your verse for the day, and I don't mean to hurt your feelings if you've got the little loaf of bread on your table. They still have them around with the little card you pull out. If you, you read your God's Word for today, and it's your little one-verse scripture, and that's your feeding for today, your 60-second devotion. When I go in the bookstore and I see those 30-second devotions, I want to take, take lighter fluid and a lighter out. I want to douse them and burn them. Because that's not the way we get revelation from God in the 60-second devotional card. If you, you, if you're, if you're the, 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 the extent of your, of your attempt to get revelation from God is your 60-second devotional card, that's exactly the revelation you'll get. Shallow spirituality lacking in revelation. Or if the only spiritual feeding you get is from me on Sunday morning, you're missing a lot because I can share with you what God has revealed to me. And I'll tell you, as I look through this text today, I had a revelation from God. I never started this text thinking this had anything to do with grasping spiritual truth. But for day after day after day as I wrestled with this text, all of a sudden a light bulb went on in my head, and I go, wow, I'm seeing this like I've never seen it before. It didn't come from reading somebody's book. It didn't come from anything else. It came from God, a revelation from God. It was revealed to me. So you can come and you can get revelation that I have, but that's never as powerful as you experiencing God's revelation for yourself. You know what? And if you're not open to the voice of God as you read His Word, if you just do your, I'm pounding through my, my, two, verse, my two chapters a day. I got an obligation. I promised God I'd read two chapters a day. And you just pound through that thing. You know what? You'll gain knowledge. You'll gain knowledge. You'll know historical facts. I can say, what about Noah? You can tell me about Noah. You'll gain knowledge, but you'll miss revelation. You will miss revelation for God. Because revelation is something we have to be open to and say we have to spend time with. We have to allow the Spirit of God to, to get a hold of us. To, to work in this text, and I know that's my job, but I literally spend day after day after day after day in a text before I ever even try to figure out what I'm going to say about it. Because I let God speak to me through the text. And He does that. So sometimes instead of pounding through your three chapters a day, get to one verse you're reading. And you stop because that one verse, but one verse seems to be speaking to you, and you just stay in that verse. And sometimes you stay in that one verse for a week, and you keep on saying stuff. Remember that happening in my life one time in Bible college, and it became a truth that I've preached in this church. I'm reading through Proverbs, and it says this crazy thing that no one else has maybe ever preached on in their whole life before. It says, "In the abundance of the oxen, the manger is clean, but with the oxen, much work gets done." I've preached that, a message on that to you a number of times. And it's just basically saying this. In the church, if you have no people, you have no messes. But if you have people, they're going to poop on the floor. But a lot of work's going to get done. 
God gave me a revelation that if you have people, they make a mess. Don't complain about the mess, Pastor. Because if you don't have any people, you don't have to worry about cleaning up a mess, but you have no people. And so it was a revelation. I remember going through that, and all of a sudden God revealed this truth to me. I don't know if anybody else ever looked at that verse the same in all of history. I did, and it transformed my approach to ministry. Because I, God, God gave me revelation. You know what? And for weeks and weeks, and for years and years, I've gone back to that one verse because it was a revelation to me. You need to read the verse, the Bible, with a heart that's open, saying, God, not just, I don't want to just have, be able to name, name names and no dates and know, you know what the Greek derivation of words. I need the revelation of God to breathe into my heart. What are you saying to me from your word today? So that's the first thing that you need to have, the first tool in your belt is you need to be open to God's revelation of spiritual truth to you as you read his word. It's more than just doing your verse for the day. You need to be open. You need to be praying for God to speak to your heart. Second thing is this, that you need to understand. If you're going to be able to build your own armoire, your own spiritual life. And it's this, that spiritual truth is progressive. It's built upon past experiences. Spiritual truth is progressive. It's built upon past experiences. The more you grasp, the more God gives you. The more you grasp of spiritual truth, the more God gives you because he has more foundation to build upon. See, in this story, Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples that he's not really concerned or worried about physical bread as he was teaching them about a spiritual truth on that day. So to make his point, he reminds them of the past. He says, listen guys, didn't I feed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves and have leftovers? They go, yeah, yeah. Didn't I feed 4,000 people with a couple of loaves and have leftovers? And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, listen, I've been trying to teach you something here. I'm trying to make a point. Physical bread is nothing to me. He says, I can make, produce it out of thin air. I can take five loaves and keep on breaking it and feed 5,000 people. Physical bread is nothing. He said, it's, it's not a big deal. He said, I'm concerned with spiritual issues. He says, this is what I'm concerned about. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of Herod. He's basically saying this, I want you to progress to a new level of understanding. New truth beyond the fact that I can multiply bread. He says, you got that point. I can multiply bread. But now I've got a new truth beyond that. Beyond the fact that I can multiply bread, I want to teach you about spiritual things, about the leaven of Pharisees and the Herod. And he does something here to illustrate this idea of spiritual truth being progressive. He takes them to a place and he performs a very unique physical healing. Look at, look at the story of this healing. Right in the middle, he plops down this, this story. Right in the middle of his teaching, he plops the story, verses 22 to 26, right in the middle of his teaching, trying to get them to understand that there's a difference between spiritual truth and physical realities. And he tells this story, verse 22. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was, and was restored, and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Does it seem strange to you? That in the middle of his teaching, trying to teach about grasping spiritual truth, he just throws in this kind of odd miracle. 
It's not an accident. Matter of fact, it's incredibly intentional by God himself. This man was healed in stages. First, he saw Jesus prays for him, and he sees men, he can see, but now men look like trees. And Jesus says, well, that's part of it. Then he lays hands on him, and he prays for him again, and he says, now I pray for him, and I see everything clearly. I get it. I see everything clearly. Jesus is doing something intentional here. He is contrasting this man's physical sight with his disciples' spiritual sight, their spiritual understanding, And he's trying to say, listen, it should be always progressing. You should seek more and more and more clearly. Church, this is really important for your spiritual development. To understand that God wants to reveal more new truth into your life. And he does this by building upon what he has already taught you. He teaches you and then he builds upon it. Now, what happens in our lives if we are not currently living according to the truth that he has already taught us. He teaches us spiritual truth. We say we want more. He taught us spiritual truth, but we're not living out the truth. He's taught us principles. We're not living out the principles. What happens? It's just this. He won't teach you anything new. People say, my life is boring, it's dull, God just stopped. It's not exciting anymore. It's the reason why you stopped living out the spiritual truth that God gave to you. You're not even doing what he told you, so he's not going to reveal anything new to you. You know, we fail to live out, we fail to obey the truth that we already know. It hinders our gaining any new truth, and it stagnates our spiritual development. You know who we need to be like? We need to be like King David. King David is the greatest example of this in maybe all the Bible. He said he was able to fight Goliath. Why? He said, because when I was a shepherd boy, by the power of God, I killed a lion and a bear. He said, if I can kill a lion and a bear, I can kill Goliath. But it didn't stop there. They made him the the commander of the armies of Israel. He's facing these incredible battles that that they couldn't win. He goes, well, I can win. They said, why? He said, because I I defeated Goliath. He said, I defeated Goliath because I defeated the lion. And I defeated the lion because I defeated the bear. He said, everything I did built upon the thing before. If he would have sought to Goliath and said, you know what, I'm not going to take this one on. Well, ah, lion's one thing, a bear's another thing, a nine-foot-tall guy with six, fi- six fingers in each hand throwing a, a spear that's as big as a weaver's beam. I don't think I want to fight that guy. You know what would have happened? He would have stopped growing right there. But he didn't want to stop growing. Eventually, God had this incredible thing. You're going to be the commander of the armies of God. When we look at David, we look at a, a heart-playing psalmist. Do you know what the people of Israel, what they look at David as? They see him as the mightiest warrior of all time. Why was he able to be the mightiest warrior? Because his greatest victories were built upon his earliest, earlier smaller victories. So a key to gaining new spiritual truth is using what you already have. He who has will get more. Friends, this is vital. Because a lot of Christians never progress because they don't obey what God has already revealed to them. Think in your heart. The Spirit of God speaking to you right now. What has he revealed to you you should be doing already? I'll promise you this. He won't tell you anything new until you do that. Spiritual growth is progressive. Let's look at the third thing. Third thing you need to understand from this text about grasping new spiritual truth is this. This is maybe the most dangerous of all of them is this. Spiritual truth can be missed. Spiritual truth can be missed. The disciples missed 
the spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to give them because of their preoccupation with less important things. He's talking about the, the, the influence of Herod and, and the Pharisees in their life, and they're thinking about lunch. He's talking about eternal things that will take them to eternity. And they're thinking about, do I have enough bread to eat today? They missed the spiritual truth because they were preoccupied with less important things. We need to let that one sink in for a minute. Yeah, it's a big one in our culture. But they weren't the only ones who missed it in the story. It says the Pharisees missed it also. The Pharisees missed the spiritual truth of what Jesus taught because they were filled with pride and they thought that they already had all the answers. You couldn't convince the Pharisees that, they were, that there was anything new they could learn. They knew it all. They asked Jesus in the story for a sign to prove that he was from God. They asked him immediately after he had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. They asked for a sign. Friends, they were so blind to what God was saying that they couldn't have seen a sign if it jumped up and bit them in the knee. There's a sign right in front of them. The first thing they do is say, oh, show a sign. He just did this impossible, miraculous thing and they couldn't see it. Why? They missed what the spiritual truth that God is trying to teach them because they were filled with pride and they thought they already had all the answers. Jesus looked at these people on that day and he asked, Do you have hardened hearts? That's what he asked them. Do you have a heart that could cause you to miss the truth that Jesus is trying to reveal to you? The word in the text there that's used for hardened, the word, the original meaning of there, it means to form a callus. He says, you have hearts that have a callus upon them. Friends, we can become so resistant to the voice of God that we become calloused in our heart. We become hardened to the voice of God. And in time, we just don't hear Him anymore. Now listen to me. When that happens, Christianity becomes just following a bunch of rules. It becomes empty. It becomes powerless. It becomes impersonal. And you say, there's really nothing to this anymore. Oh, I've lost the joy of the Lord. It must be that the worship team doesn't do their job anymore. It must be that the pastor's not preaching anymore. It must be that I need to do whatever, whatever, whatever. Oh, the Spirit of God is just not... No, that's not ever at all. You know what it is? It's a fact that we have a callus built up on our heart and we just don't hear anymore. It's a natural thing that happens. If I use a shovel in my yard, I've got to take my rings off, a rake or a shovel, because I immediately get blisters and calluses on those two knuckles right there. You know what I mean? And if I use a shovel long enough, it doesn't take long, I build up a callus immediately. It's a natural occurrence. I have to work to not get a callus. You've got to work to not allow calluses to develop in your heart. Because if it does, if we allow a callus to build up, it's a natural thing. It doesn't mean you're evil. It doesn't mean you're bad. It means you're normal. And you've got to work to remove the calluses. You've got to make sure you keep a soft heart before the Lord. Because when that callous develops, you won't hear spiritual truth anymore. And I'm telling you, you will become empty. And you will become bored. And you will become powerless. You'll say, how come in the past all these wonderful things happened when I prayed for people? And today, I didn't even pray for people anymore because I don't believe it's going to happen. It's because there's a callous on our heart. Friends, God has so much more for you than just existing in a church. He wants to take us from glory to glory, the Bible says. Take us to ever higher plateaus of spiritual truth. He wants you to have a more abundant life than you ever dreamed was possible. And a heart that has become calloused because of pride or preoccupation with things that are second best 
will miss what God wants to give. And that's what happened to the disciples on that day. That's what happened to the Pharisees on that day. And I know that. This. That's what can happen to you and me also. So friends, you know the cure? Don't resist when you feel the prompting of God in an area of your life. Don't let pride keep you from changing men. Don't let pride keep us from admitting that we need to change. It's, it's the greatest sign of, of life, the greatest sign of wisdom, is to say, you know what, God, I want to grow more today. I want to be different today than I was yesterday. Be open to the voice of God. Be active in pursuing Him through His Word and through prayer. Be responsive to His leadings. Then you will experience the fullness of what God desires for you and you won't miss the truth that He's trying to speak into our life. Because today God's trying to speak truth into your life. And tomorrow God wants to speak truth into your life. And the day after God wants to speak truth into your life. And if we have the tools... We can, we can grab them. Today I can build an armoire. Today I can build a table. I can fix the broken cabinet door that Josh and Brett will break when they wrestle. Okay, why? Because I learned the principles. These principles are way more important than that. How do I grasp a hold of spiritual truth? I look at God's word with an open heart and I'll ask him to reveal it to me. I understand that it builds upon itself. That if I stop applying and doing today, when God reveals truth to you, it's because that truth is specifically for you. And if you stop, if you resist that, He can take any further. God has so much more for you than 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 what we often live. God's giving us some tools so we can grasp spiritual truth. We can advance in our relationship with Him and we can use them or lose them. That's what happens. That makes sense? Yep. Amen. Let's stand together.